0: So the idea is pilgrimage, pilgrimage, pilgrimage. Life is a journey. That's why Christianity was originally called The Way. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to every knee shall bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization my name is mike gomer gormley and i am joined as always by dave the saint van vickle how you doing dave <sighs> yeah well i'm far from that for sure i'm far from that no i know it was ironic yeah i get it <laughs> I, get, I totally get it. it's like the hipster thing kind of a hipster yes thing, yeah. yeah well actually can i i'm gonna tell you an ironic story right now the vikings would give their leaders ironic names Cool. And so, uh, mostly ironic, sometimes they were true, like a man who had a hammer smashed into his mouth during a battle was known from that point on as the Bluetooth. Uh, huh. But his, uh, his father, who started the Danish line of kings, that endures to this day is the origin of my family name. And his name was Gorm the Bald, or Gorm the Elder. Right. Cool. And that's where my last name Gormley comes from. That's cool. I, I never, we've never talked about this before. I know. Well, so the problem is Gorm, then his Vikings raid Ireland. And okay. then horrible things happen, and then that's the Irish heritage of, right. of uh of right. of me. Of me. Apparently my ancestor protected Saint Patrick during his evangelization. This isn't true, is it? Uh, oh whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. It's totally Gomer, true. Go knowing,
1: knowing you, I yeah. feel like I would have heard this much earlier in our relationship than now. Okay. In fact, I feel
0: like I would have heard it once a week for the last 25 years. Okay, okay. Uh, 100% you're right on that one. The only reason why I hesitated ever saying it is there was an an American genealogy guy who got, you know how like people got super into genealogy about 10 years back. Uh, He sets up all of these, or this guy set up this website for the Gormley family. And did the branching of all the different names that come when they came over and, you know, hit up Ellis Island or whatever. It's Gorman, O'Gorman, O'Gormley. And there's like 20 different spellings because the original Gaelic is like 20 syllables, 20 consonants long. Okay. So uh, it was just fascinating to like when you hear like the history. And he had that history. And I was like, oh, oh, this is awesome if it's true. But I'm scared to talk about it out loud because if it's not true, then it makes it less awesome. But that, <laughs> that was his research. Yeah. Nigel, Nigel of the Nine Hostages. It was a king who would kidnap other kings and ransom them for cash or money. And then his poet protected uh, St. Patrick. This is, this is crazy. That's cool. I know. I know. I know. It is cool. Hey, but we got a good show for people today. We got a good show.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I've, I've actually been thinking about it for a week,
0: like that we should do a show on this. So. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So uh, why don't you introduce the topic and I'll tell you <laughs> why I like this show.
1: All right, yeah, that sounds great. And it's not <laughs> and just because we'll you're on it. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's most of it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so
1: I think uh, something important in the life of a disciple, and and I, I've, Gomer and I have talked about this a lot. There, there is this kind of idea that like once you've given your life to the Lord and realized your identity as a son or daughter of God, that that's kind of like the plateau that a lot of people hit. And what we want to do is do a show on basically like four to five principles to ensure lifelong metanoia or lifelong conversion because there is no plateau in the Christian life it doesn't work like that you know so we want to we want to give you just basically like four to five principles that you can keep in your life that you know will allow you to continue on in your journey of being transformed by God cuz that's what God wants to do is continually transform us to be more like him
0: yeah so the reason why I like this, the the title that he gave was lifelong metanoia. And the reason why I think that's so important is working in a parish and working with people. I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you have, but people who were previously stable in their relationship with God, all of a sudden lose their minds when they come to a different stage of their life. Like people who are excellent husbands and fathers, Find it incredibly different, difficult to be excellent husbands when their kids are out of the house, off right, to college, right. you know, or you know the the wife, like, and and all of a sudden you have this crisis in faith where you know maybe there th- these things that weren't issues all of a sudden become issues for the midlife crisis or yes i even hate saying these words out loud the quarter life crisis (laughs) all of these different things that happen to people these different stages um retirement is a big one a big one it's such a huge one because your whole life just radically alters right but then also you have the issues of acute suffering pain trauma in people's lives how that changes things huge blessings uh quote unquote that come into people's lives to change things like Uh, a rich relative dies and all of a sudden they have access to you know a couple hundred grand that they didn't have before and all of a sudden they become a different person new friend groups right Right. like i've seen i have seen a person completely walk away from their faith and their friends who were centered around their church life because they were desperate to impress a rich friend of theirs yeah and it still hasn't ended like and this had burned every bridge and became the biggest snob and it was like whoa so there's this call that we need lifelong metanoia because you are not the same you at different parts of your life different stages different things that happen to you so we need to make sure that we keep on uh, the righteous path as it were yeah and it's it's so easy
1: you know i think for a lot of us we can point to a time in our life when we were like oh my gosh i was not following the lord (laughs) And what I want to encourage you, and this isn't one of the principles, I just want to encourage you to realize is that you're going to have those experiences again and again. Like 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, oh man, 10 years ago I was not following the Lord like I should have. And and 10 years after that, you know, I mean, there there, there is like drastic change that will still occur in your life. Drastic yeah. change for the good, you
0: know, drastic transformation that will still occur. And the greatest thing to think about, the, the way to frame this is, you didn't cross the finish line the day you accepted Christ. Right. Right. You don't cross the finish line until you're standing before his judgment to seat. Right. Until you're right. standing before the throne. So the idea is pilgrimage, pilgrimage, pilgrimage. Life is a journey. That's why Christianity was originally called the way. Right. So that's Amen. what we're doing. So to kick this off, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through five different things that we believe are key to helping you with lifelong metanoia. We're gonna save the fifth one for after our commercial break to hold you nerds in suspense. Uh, but <laughs> we're gonna go back and kind of riff on each one of these that we think is uh, pillars, five pillars of of this lifelong metanoia. So number one, I'm gonna start it off, is that one thing. That one thing was brought to my attention in uh, uh, Imitation of Christ, book one, chapter 11, where he says, if we would, why is it that at the beginning of our conversion we have more zeal than at the end? Why is it that after years of practicing our faith, we're barely excited when at the beginning, we were all fire? And he says, if we would apply light stress to ourselves in the beginning, and essentially he's saying, go after these sins, faults, and weaknesses, in a short time, we would be perfect, right? And now he's writing the book, *Imitation of Christ to Monks in a Monastery, but the same applies to everyone. What is that one thing in your life, in your heart? Not those 500 things. The devil will diffuse your energies in order to keep you a prisoner. The moment you do a real examination of conscience and realize, holy moly, this one thing has ripple effects that are killing me in so many other ways. What the devil will do is, yeah, but you're also a liar. Yeah, but you're also lazy. Yeah, but you're also this. Yeah, but what about that? And you know, your taxes are due. And you know, you also have these things. And he'll distract you. Light focus can cut through steel. Light diffuse can be an easy bake oven, right? Like you can't really do much of anything. So what is that one thing? Uh, My parish mission that I built, what, five years ago now was built on this one principle. What is that one thing in your life that prevents you from loving the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself? yeah, in like traditional Catholic uh, like mystical theology, we call it the besetting
1: sin. Mm-hmm. But this is even more than just the besetting sin. this is this is continually asking what is the one thing? So if yes. the one thing is greed and you you make progress on that and you feel like you know in a real way, you've had victory over the sin of greed, you move on to the next one. What is the next one thing? you know, what is the next log in your eye? So it's a continual process of of evaluating, What is the thing
0: most keeping me away from God? And that never goes away. It never, ever stops. Yeah. And I would just say, I like to provide helps for people about what that one thing is. And so just my quick list that I walk people through is, is it a sin that you habitually commit, right? So, you know, pornography, anger, greed, whatever it might be. Is it a sin that you habitually commit? Is it a wound, a sin that someone else committed against you that has calloused over but has never been healed? So you know, maybe you were hurt as a child or betrayed by someone you love, and even though you might say, well, I'll never be like that person, by merely saying that, they have a certain power over you, right? Yeah, right. Uh, Maybe it's not a sin or a wound. Maybe it is a fear that you have, fear of success, fear of failure, fear of whatever. Fears tend to limit our actions. We regret not what we do but what we have never done. Maybe it's a label that someone gave you, mm-hmm. you know, junior high, someone called you the smart kid, the dumb kid, the jock, the whatever, and that limits your horizon, right? It, it limits what you think God can do in your life because it gives you an identity that didn't come from him. Uh, and, uh, you know, things like that, doubts, fears, failures, all that stuff. A vice, it could be a vice. Yeah. Smoking or something that's not necessarily
1: – sinful but it's not great you know it's an addiction right
0: yeah right 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 and so when I do this one of the and this to me this is shocking but one of the most common themes that people say is gambling addiction oh wow that is really interesting I would have never guessed that I know so this is the closest thing I come to uh the closest thing I come to being a priest in confession is I have them write their one thing down on an index card and put it in a basket in front of the Eucharist, and then I write my third talk based on what they put in the basket. Oh, that's genius. You'll have multiple... That is genius. Yeah, Well, Right, well, because I, I want it to be for them, but the, most Catholics have zero moral formation. They don't know how to think about this stuff right. appropriately. Right, right. And so they see sin where there is no sin. They they need to realize, like, you, get, you have to work on forgiveness here, and all, you know, I'm angry, I'm angry. Well, you're angry because they hurt you, so let's address that, right? So I would say um, every single one I've ever done, abortion has been mentioned, no matter how big or small the audience, at least three times in every one, and they've never gotten past it. They've never gone to confession for it or anything like that. And then another one was uh, is gambling and gluttony. Yeah, um, yeah, very. F- and then uh, and affairs, affairs, affairs are it's like it's like the same. So if I do a parish commission for two hundred and fifty people, we're talking like two or three or four will have gluttony i've never had one sin that wasn't also mentioned at least one other time huh that's interesting so, i'm yeah, surprised you're about not in this the, the, gam-
1: the gambling addiction though i'm surprised yeah but yeah. I, just because i just don't know anyone who does it or anything like that but, but maybe i do i just don't know it yeah so,
0: you do we got college buddies who do who get oh yeah okay i now i remember yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, now you're like oh right they call it fantasy football bro it really is gambling. a <laughs> <addiction. laughs> all right number two is just a strong
1: presence of sacred scripture in your life but there's some caveats there one of those strong presences has to be just Christian mental prayer Christian meditation right that every single day you are taking scripture and you're meditating on it and you're subjecting your mind to the mind of Christ and allowing him to take you know to take you uh on this journey through scripture scripture is where you know the the guaranteed way to hear God's voice and if we want to if we want to be able to hear God's voice out in the world we have to be able to recognize that voice so every single day bathing yourself in the word of God is so incredibly important and I want to tell you this there are mechanical aspects to this like for instance you know just discipline is built you learn how to how to communicate with God on a deeper level there are mechanical aspects but then there are just mystical aspects that when you Bathe yourself in scripture. It's almost—I mean, I hate to use this analogy because it's like what I would use for a kindergarten class. But it's like Pac-Man. Scripture just like gets into you and starts taking care of things that you don't even realize you need taken care of, and it becomes like a ruler inside of you that you can measure, you know, everything, you know, all the moral choices and all those kinds of things by the mind of Christ. And and I just, I can't recommend it enough that you should have it in your life in several different concrete ways. Uh, Christian meditation every day, taking, you know, maybe a chapter or usually less from the gospel and talking about it with God, memorizing scripture, uh, engaging in Bible studies, trying to understand it more uh, engaging in um, a real theological search through scripture where you understand how the church interprets these things I can't tell you that that enough that that particular activity that particular presence in your life is such an incredible source of metanoia. And I will say this: it's in the it's it's in the life of every single saint, right? You you don't see there's no such thing as like a saint that they're like, well, he made it to sainthood. But crazy thing is, they 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 he wasn't real well versed in scripture. It's just not that way, right? there's a major presence of scripture in the life of every saint.
0: Jesus says very clearly, my sheep know my voice, right? And that's why I think scripture reading in every single way possible is important, right? Not just in the sacred liturgies of the mass, although that is the principal place where it belongs, but constantly going. And I, I tell people this all the time. And the more I tell people this, the more convinced I'm right (laughs) is you need to just immerse yourself in the gospels over and over and over and over again, over and over. Yeah. And, and acts of the apostles and the the letters of St. Paul, especially Romans and Galatians and well, all of them really, but I think are so important to see that how the Christological life is lived. And I really do believe that Christians can become jerks when we cease to follow Christ and Christianity becomes an ideology, a game I'm playing with these, you know, facts and figures, dates and times. Like it becomes, it becomes bizarre when you cease to follow the Lord. And that's why daily scripture reading, especially in the new Testament, especially in the gospels is so crucial. That's why we stand at the mass for the gospel. It's so crucial. Yeah. Amen. And, and it's easy. It's not hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a hard yeah, thing that's to a good point. Uh, number three, uh, flowing from this, I think, is you gotta get good at repenting. And that might sound weird, but I just want to keep it that simple. You gotta get good at repenting, at looking around for signs. Of, uh, let me put it this way. You have to have good mirrors in order to see your reflection adequately. Yep. The gospel readings and stuff like that are excellent mirrors, examinations of conscience on a daily level or weekly level or monthly level. Different types of examinations of conscience are different mirrors that the Lord holds up to your soul so that you can say, am I conformed into uh, the image of of Christ. Am I being conformed? Where do I lack Get Good at repenting because repenting keeps you humble. There is no one who is proud in heaven, right? Only the proud are in hell. So let us like run after the virtue of humility. And one of the things that repentance does is it keeps you attuned to the truth. I hate it when people criticize me. I hate it, but because I'm such a public figure with the two podcasts, with my role at the church, I get criticized, especially this time of COVID and every election season, I get criticized all the time by not being too much this, by being too much that. And it is like so exhausting and stressful. But one of the things I've learned by trying to follow Christ is this notion of, okay, well, where's the truth in it? Where's the truth in it? And I can use this like public criticism, which is you know mostly toxic and unhealthy, but I can use it to actually be a stepping stone for repentance and to to look at my life and, and see those areas that aren't fully conformed to Christ. And here's the crazy thing. When I become proud of the virtues that I have, that's the beginning of their undoing. So for the last, I would say six months, I was on a steady clip of working out and eating right. I had a lot of discipline in that area of my life and it took our miscarriage now uh, a little bit over two months ago that completely threw that out of whack and it's like i for like two weeks i was in such a fog i didn't even have eyes to see and getting good at repenting limits the damage that you inflict on yourself i I would say that that's that's exactly the biggest thing and then you you allow other people to speak into your life the things that you most need to hear but probably least want to hear yeah. I I love, I love that analogy.
1: It limits the damage that you do on your own life. I think that's one of the most important things for people is that doing, you know, and getting good at repenting is, is things, there are things like examinations of conscience are things like what Gomer said, when you're criticized, like taking it the right way, looking at, you know, just your lack as opposed to how great you are, that those are, that's a life of repentance. That's part of a life of repentance. And I think that it's so important that, for so many people we i mean when when you sin, there are a few responses you can have. You can ignore it completely and let it kind of seep into your life. You can binge, which is what I think most people do a lot of times they binge, or you can just boom shut that that uh you know that flow off immediately and try to stop it and bring it to the heart of the lord right and i and that's what I think Gomer meant by look you know we can limit the damage we don't have to binge on on this sin and and wait until we have some you know lightning strike or something like that so that we're cut to heart and and called to repentance we're called to repentance every second every minute of the day and so it, it really does it makes such a difference if you learn how to live a life of repentance the interesting thing is repentance seems like almost like you're playing um, tennis, right? Sin comes over the line and you you got to hit it back. But a life of repentance isn't really like that. We know that we're fallen creatures and that sin is present in our life and that hurt is present in our life and wounds are present in our life. And so we we subject everything that is not of God to him every day, as opposed to just responding to like the major threats to our soul. No, we don't do that. We play offense with repentance in a certain sense. And I I just, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Be really good at it. And, you know, one of the things I do is I I have like a million examinations of conscience. I have them for kids. I have them for teens. I have them for husbands, fathers. I have them for, you know, men, women, all, all these. And I, and I look at all of them because it helps me to start to realize like, okay, you know, this is, this is a way of looking at my life. And it's not, it's not something that's like I'm not being overly hard on myself or anything like that. if anything I I'm not hard enough on myself. but what I'm saying is it's it's it you can't change if you don't know what you need to change. And Gomer used the analogy of the mirror. I always use it like if you're cleaning up a room by candlelight, you know you don't know how dirty it is and that's kind of what happens. It's kind of like every time you go to confession, every time you repent, it's kind of like you find a piece of a garbage on the floor, you throw it in the garbage and under that piece of garbage, there's another candle and you light that candle and the light brightens Yeah. and then you walk a little bit further and it continues on. So please get get good at this. If you get good at one thing, let it be
0: this. Yeah. And this is also just my cautionary note. It's also good to have a spiritual director or a regular confessor if you can't get a director. Because they can prevent you from doing the one Scrupulous. thing, yeah, right. that will undo it all, which is scrupulosity—seeing sin where there right. is none. I'm, I'm failure. I'm a failure all the time. No, okay, yeah, we are, we are sinners saved by grace, but we need to focus on um, the the idea of honing in on repentance is that it is motivated by the desire to uproot the sin, not just to hate on yourself. That's false humility. Okay, so Dave, what's number four? Uh, wait. Are we on number four? Oh, we're on number four, buddy. I just did get good at repenting, which is number three. Number four. Well, we're you know, Gomer mentioned
1: the, the first principle was that one thing. And it's kind of like looking at that one thing that's keeping you from God. We have a, another a more positive statement, and that is the one thing that we need to build to get closer to God, and that is about virtue, right? So in every moment of your life, in every stage of your life, what we need to do is we need to look at what's the virtue we most need. And usually it it does correspond to the sin that's keeping us most from God, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, and sometimes it's easier to focus on the opposite, you know, especially if you're really struggling with sin, focusing on a different virtue can help because building virtue just makes you stronger in general. So my encouragement to you would be to literally, you know, start to learn about the virtues, start to learn about what they mean and what they are and every moment of your life you know whether you break it down into months or you know quarters or or years or just eras of your life try to work on one virtue that you know you need the most right that you lack the most and work on that one virtue we need it we have to be people of virtue and and virtue if if you do this this is where you're going to feel the most change With all of these, you're going to see a lot of change in your life, but the one that you're going to feel the most is when you build virtue.
0: Yeah, and using classical um, spiritual theology, you have the three stages of the Christian life, which is purgative, illuminative, and unitive. And the idea of these stages, one of the ways that you can kind of define it is like your progress in virtue, right? The purgative stage is you are attached to sins or the longings for those sins. Your your heart is still in Egypt even if you might be, you know, on on the way to the promised land. And that that notion of you know, Israel longing for the flesh pots of Egypt when they're out in the desert, they would rather be slaves in their comfort than free in the hardship. And so mm-hmm. the Christian understanding, the Christian the great mystical fathers and and uh, mothers of the church, they drew on that analogy almost more than anything else. talking about our earthly pilgrimage so I think it's really fitting here we need to actively cultivate the virtues. so what is a virtue a virtue is a stable disposition it's something that affects the very quality of your soul from which you think and act right so these are things not just the moral virtues of prudence temperance justice and fortitude but also the theological virtues of faith hope and love You can also expand this understanding outwards to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? So fear of the Lord, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, um, piety, and fortitude. There's a lot of overlap with the virtues, but these are true, beautiful gifts that we need to lean into that are just as much a part of our salvation as all the others right because they they come through the sacramental life of the church so you know like whenever you're doing confirmation right you do the sevenfold gift of the spirit and all that good stuff um sometimes i think we get distracted from the virtues with worldly notions of success in church life and what i mean by that is i think it is excellent to build up the life of the church through exercising whatever charisms we might have like evangelization, teaching, whatever you might think uh, me and Dave's charisms are. But the charisms the church teaches don't save our souls. They're for the building up of the church, right. but they don't save our souls. What we're talking about is really get honest in, in in through repenting and through addressing that one thing and through the daily scripture reading, you discover like not just your lack, but where God is calling you to grow. So it's not just the negative, this is the positive that, that makes that growth from the purgative stage to the illuminative stage. I, how, Dave, how many people have you met who are like lost in drugs, alcohol, or pornography type addictions where they're just like, if I could just get control of this one thing, like I'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like you're like yeah. Not only have I met those people, I've been <laughs> those people before. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's definitely true with me. That's definitely true with me. And and the the sin of pornography, I remember being so lost in it in college. I remember saying to my spiritual director, like what was the phrase that I said? Like, this is the, I feel like if I can beat this, like, I'll be awesome. This is the only main sin that I confess. I and the, he's like, oh, that's man. because it's blinded you, brother. It's blinded <laughs> you. And I was like, ah, you're right. But I yeah. uh, also yeah. think about this. I know a family. I can't remember where I heard this story, but they write the eight Beatitudes down. And then every year they have a huge family reunion at a lake house. And all the adults pick a Beatitude for the year. And they focus their energies on developing, you know, poor in spirit, meek, mourning, whatever it might be. They develop, and they, and then at the the next year, they talk. It's like a family retreat where they talk about this and how what progress they made and how they've done it. And then they pick another beatitude, and that's like one of their ways. I would encourage you not just the virtues of like you know, like I said, the cardinal virtues, the moral virtues. We got to stop viewing virtues as just moral things, right? They're more than that. They are the whole human life, whole human flourishing. Uh,
1: and I, I, what I would say also is, you know, um, the way to build virtue is both. You practice and you pray for them, right? You ask God for to build that virtue in your life, but then you also practice them. And so uh, you want to do both of those things, you know, and, and make sure you're covering that. Uh, faith, hope, and charity are the that is what it means to change. The more they're in our soul, the more saintly we are. And so this is kind of kind of the heart of the episode that we're talking about here is what we mean by Metanoia is going from a lack of faith, hope, and charity to an abundance. And there is a dynamism of faith, hope, and charity that cannot be, it, it can't be faked. It's when you meet someone who's saintly, And you, you can, I mean, you can just tell, you know, that there's an authentic, gratuitous amount of faith, hope, and love inside of them. Uh, And, you know, I'm always reminded of the, the apostle John, you know, when he was sickly and old, they used to carry him around on a, on a stretcher, you know, to bless people. And all he would say is little children love one another. That was all he would say. And, and, and that was in his mind preaching the gospel, right? That's the fulfillment of the gospel. Yeah. So I, I love it.
0: Awesome. And when we come back, we're going to do our fifth and final pillar uh, we're gonna take a brief timeout to hear the good stuff from Ascension. All they have to offer. Just a little side note: I have been doing a deep dive in their new Romans series, and I love it. Dr. Andrew Swafford is awesome, so I've been doing I've been doing that just for my own edification. Uh, but it's good stuff. So we'll be right back. Email us at eksp@ascensionpress.com, and uh, we'll love to share your email because the reality is, if you have a question about evangelization, I'm sure hundreds of our listeners do too. Yep. So we'll be right back.
2: Okay here's the gut check right here because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? and Do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, Nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan Friar of the Renewal, and I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness, and it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible and it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you. Welcome back, ladies and
0: gentlemen, Ebeneez Chabow, always happy to be here with you. Now we have our fifth pillar, the fifth pillar of lifelong metanoia. Let's just run through the four real quick. What is that one thing, the besetting sin that is preventing you from loving the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength your neighbor as yourself? Number two is daily scripture, reading, immersion, all the different things that you need to have the gospel at the center and source of your life. Number three, get good at repenting. We're talking examinations of conscience. We're talking all the things that you can challenge yourself in order to see yourself as clearly as possible at different stages of your life. Number four, build one virtue, right? Focus on one virtue, whether it's the theological virtues, whether it's the cardinal virtues, whatever. Focus on growing your faith in the Lord. And now, Dave, number five. Number five is keep the saints in your life. Keep the saints in your life.
1: And here's, here's the kicker here. I mean, this is what's important, is that I think when you make progress in the spiritual life, you know, I, I've done this so many times. I kind of pat myself on the back and I realize I'm 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 doing good. And and in a sense that's that's good. Like you wanna you wanna be happy with the freedoms that you're getting. But oftentimes when we see like what God really wants to do in our heart, we're the ones who limit God. You know, we limit him. And in the lives of the saints, they're so generous to him. And God is so gratuitously generous back to them for their gift of generosity that he transforms them in ways we never ever would imagine we can be transformed in that way. So continually get to know the saints because it will, it will always put on your mind like, wow, what God has done in my life is so amazing. This is what God could do in my life if I, if I respond even more generously, if I surrender even more seriously. Uh, you know, it's like I always say, I've said it probably a hundred times on this show, you know, the first time I read the life of St. Francis of Assisi, it was the first time I ever thought, oh, my goodness, this is a man who loved God the way God was meant to be loved. And I it, it profoundly affected my life that I always thought that's what I want. I want to surrender completely
0: to, to, to the love of God and to love him with a love
1: that is worthy
0: of him. And the, the reason why this is the most important one, it's kind of like the capstone of what we've said with the previous four. It's because we want you to live the life of a saint, right? We want you to live a life of a saint. A life of a saint is one that is characterized by lifelong metanoia. They know that they constantly need to get beyond the self and find God at the hidden center of their lives. And so, right. Francis, that they were called the penitents from Assisi. That's what they called his group at first, the penitents from Assisi. Yeah. And so when we embrace this notion of lifelong integral conversion, right? It's not just there, there are these beautiful once for life moments that then need to get spread out through our lives. So if you're an adult who's had an, a conversion experience, there you know that there's a lot of energy and dynamism in that conversion. That's why people say like lock a convert in a closet for like six months until yeah. they calm down. What we want you to do is at that moment of your conversion, when God has set you, has called attention to the death in your life and has set you free from bondage to these you know things that work death in your life, the idea is, okay, Lord, what else? What else can I uproot in order to do this? And that's what we see in the lives of the saints. And I got to tell you, I was not a big saints junkie like you are, Dave. I love the saints. I've always had an affinity, especially for the Franciscans and Dominican saints, but I never was one to go, like, read a bunch of saint stories until I had kids, and it is so easy for kids to get lost in the writings of, you know, all these different, you know, characters. I'm trying to think of children's books, like the boxcar children and the the babysitter's club. I couldn't remember what it was called, and, you know, things (laughs) like that, right? You can get lost in the characters and the story and the narrative and all this stuff, but how great would it be to get lost in a story of something that's real, something that actually yeah. happened, lives that were actually changed? And I just always return to that great line of St. Paul, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And I don't, I don't know how to walk this walk perfectly, but here's five other people who lived a similar circumstance as I did, and they made it, and they became holy in the midst of it. And I, I, I need to know how to do that because I can't just do this on my own.
1: Yeah. Amen.
0: You know, you're going to you're going to get
1: to know more and more of the saints and what you're going to start to realize is there's a formula. And <laughs> I I I hate to use that word, but there is there's a formula for surrender, you know, and there's a few there's there's a few things in their lives that all of them have present. And and that's what we need to know is you know the genius behind how
0: God creates saints and how he responds to the needs of the world through saints. Yeah. Amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by Dave Van Vickle. Dave, I'm literally doing the intro. Why am I doing the intro as we're outroing? Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. I love you. God bless you all. Email us.